Good morning, everyone. This is the Machination Log. I'm David. Ryan's to my left. Yes, yes. Nicole's to his left. I'm here. And we're here to talk about the final, the end <laughs> of our hot queer summer. Oh, baby. Even though it's still hot outside here. It's still hot and out it's, here. It's still queer outside. I overheated playing tennis just yesterday. <laughs> that's... It is still a nightmare over here, but that's okay. Yeah, uh, we're, we, are, we are in it to win it this yeah. summer. So, so Pam Greer, you guys, there were, uh, she Pam covers Gre- all the minorities. She does. Uh, not just hang on, not just that. Pam Greer in the seventies, nineteen seventies. Pam Greer. Yeah. So, for those of you who don't know, and I'm going to look this up real quick, Greer has stated that she has a mixed ancestry consisting of African American, Hispanic, Chinese, Filipino, and Cheyenne Indian. So, Pam Greer is just a minority. Yeah. In, in the most just ultra sense. Yes. So, so who could be better placed to star <laughs> in a series of incredibly formulaic, like, 70s exploitation films? Right. Sexploitation specifically. Yeah. And, it, and that's a little ironic because she's actually, despite the fact these all take place in some sort of tropical unknown, entirely all-female cast prisons. Mm-hmm. Um. That are mostly white prisoners in not white countries. Yeah, Pam Greer is the token minority in these films. Yes. Um, despite the fact that she is like, you know, most of you will know Pam Greer if you know her at all from Jackie Brown, uh, which was Tarantino's, uh, I forget what the name of the, what is it? Um, Rum Punch is the name of the book that um, Jackie Brown's based on, I want to say. It's one of the Elmore Leonard books. Mm-hmm. It's... Anyway, that's yeah. That, it, that, it could possibly be Rum Punch. It was an Elmore Leonard book, though. Yes. Yeah. Um. So most of you will know her from that as a strong, confident black woman who doesn't need no man, and um, that theme is very alive <laughs> in the three movies we watched. Um, Ryan, where did you first? encounter Pam Greer. So um, the first time we encountered her actually, you know, cause we are, we are kind of bastards of the film communities uh, in the late nineties. So, um, you know, right about the time that like, you know, Quentin Tarantino is doing his thing and bringing a lot of that 70s style back to uh, back to cinema uh, in the, in the nineties in independent cinema in particular, um, you know, that was when, where we discovered this, these different kinds of films. And so we, we, you know, when, Tarantino brings it up and you hear that there's these other movies um, with other people in them and that they were like recasting them. Um, my first Pam Greer experience um, was with Jackie Brown, uh, but then we went out and sought out all of these. All ridic- of these women in prison. Yeah, films, all these. I was like, wow, this is a whole genre I wasn't yeah. aware of. <laughs> and it turns out that there was like there was like one uh, one rental place in uh, downtown Orlando that had them, and um, you know that's why that's the only reason we had a subscription there. Uh, <laughs> so we went and um, you know we sought these things out, and then we started watching them, and. Um, you know, so you had like a kick where you kind of go through these, um, you know, dash exploitation films, right? And there are uh, in filmic history because we are in this like beautiful, and I, I think we've been covering it through the late six, uh, mid to late sixties, seventies, and into the early eighties, where you know subtext becomes pretext for making these films, right? Like there's no longer this idea that you know this is going to be a crime film um, where half of it takes place where the female protagonist is in a is in a prison, right? Like. Um, no, the the they had to do that in the 1950s in order to get the kind of like you know caged beauty, 
you know, lesbian potential out of a, out of a story that was never shown. Um, by the 1970s, enough of that fucking bullshit, right? Like, I've got $200,000 to make a movie. It's all going to be set in a prison, and the lesbian overtones will be overt. Um, because that's apparently what the audiences want to see. And if you can and, make- and when they made the so so we we viewed three of these women in prison movies and the very very first one was the big dollhouse and the reason we know this is what audience want to see is because up until that point the big dollhouse became the most in the most successful independent film yes. like up until that point that thing was huge mm-hmm. ten million and seventies dollars yes yeah on a what forty thousand dollar budget uh, it was over a hundred grand but okay. that's still they had to get the people to the philippines that's true yeah. that's, that's still a hundred to one that's yeah. not bad yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's but it's one of those things where you're you know they're you're finding all of these like you know like i said like dash exploitation films there's black exploitation films that we saw well that's what she know. went into after this so you know after being the token minority mm-hmm. in like three different women in prison films, you know, she went on to be like the queen of black exploitation because moving on from this, you have like coffee and mm-hmm. you have Foxy Brown, mm-hmm. and that stuff was all the like, that was all the like real black exploitation stuff. This we're we're still in sex exploitation. She's just getting started here. Right. Okay. You know. So the pedigree of <laughs> I, it's this this was immediately triggered in the first movie because it starts the first movie, The Big Dollhouse, starts with a song that plays in the middle of Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. And it was just an immediate like Pavlovian response there. And I've been <laughs> wondering how much of Jackie Brown is cribbed from these movies, but it also seems like there might be another three movies necessary to just completely, yeah. completely yeah. encapsulate what makes Jackie Brown the way it is. Yeah. Well, that's, you'd have to, we'd have to move into the black exploitation, which we haven't done. Cause we're still, we're still working on our, our like queer and sexploitation stuff right now. So she, we haven't quite gotten to like the full embodiment of, of Pam Greer that would have, you know, enticed mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino but to I'll- make Jackie Brown. Um, you know, but we're we're getting a taste for like how she got there. Yeah, the I mean the the seventies styles that kind of come out of uh, out of you know Quentin Tarantino's filmmaking is you know cherry picked, right? He's yeah. Kind of he's taking the best of what he found finds inspirational about these things, and you know kind of synthesizing and then just overloading his films with a lot of this. And um, you know it is fun and enjoyable and uh, for watching Tarantino and watching these films because. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just amazing, kind of like the leap that happens from all of this, right? Like, you know, between um, Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill, which is what 64, 65, yeah. something like that. Um, and then look- these are all between like seventy and seventy two, the movies that we watched this time. Time and, bracket. Well, that's the yeah. thing, though, right? So, but the weird thing is, is there's always this kind of like lag between like independent cinema and you know Hollywood cinema. So, um, you know, one of the famous um, kind of like you know um, almost naked women in on the big screen uh, for sex icon status purposes is uh, Raquel Welch in um, 1 million BC. Yeah. It's like this primitive movie and she has this like loincloth like bikini through most of the film as she like runs and, and engages with plot for whatever reason. I don't really, you know, um, whatever it might be, but that's 66, 67. And that is like wide release, right? That is like, that is like a film marketed to the vast majority of America, um, which basically let's have a half naked woman, um, for reasons, right? Like, let's yeah. just have a half-naked woman on. And this film realizes that, like, well, why just stop with one? You know, yeah, like, let's like just film one, a whole movie Yeah, let's just make a whole women. movie of this. And, and but then what's also fun is that, like, uh, The Big Bird, ca- no, um, The Big Dollhouse and Women in Cages 
are semi-serious films. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah that, is, that is something very odd. It tries to be... Um, and it, to be fair, a lot of independent films... I mean, we just watched a Russ Meyer film, so maybe, you know, the, the subtext of that film are well, questionable. Well, Cat Kill Kill was trying to be very serious in a way too, but, especially compared to his later stuff. Well, but it's 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 also it's just hard to it's hard to know how much is really knowing and how much can just be read into what's already there because there's so much there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in particular, uh, Women in Cages has Pam Greer cast as a lesbian tyrant wardeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who uh, hates white people because she was oppressed by white people in Harlem and mm-hmm. raped by a white man in her previous life before she mysteriously <laughs> became the warden of a prison in some unknown tropical country. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this movie is low quality enough to not deserve any of that backstory, <laughs> but there and is And it's even almost an it's it's even almost awkward when they try to put it in, like when she tries to like justify her actions at the end that you know, she's tired of being oppressed by white people. It feels very misplaced almost at that. Well, you got to remember it was the 70s. You had to like actually that was you had to like tell people that. Like we all just know that now, you know, <laughs> like like I'm an ang- like you have every right to be angry Pam Greer in the 70s. We get it. <laughs> like it, it it's just it, it's funny trying to wonder about because I mean that's that's always been the trope with horror movies is you know everyone and these everyone gives are them, very close to horror movies oh yeah well you know? it's it's B movies yeah it is yeah. movies that, independent B movies yeah it's all the stuff below you know it's 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 not quite the cream of the crop for whatever that term actually means in Hollywood um you know it's the people who actually have to worry about how much money they're spending yeah and. You know, the horror always gets this weird defense that, again, may be entirely plausible. I don't know. I haven't seen all that much horror. That the subtext of horror films is always just laden with meaning um, that belies how stupid what's going on is. Um, which is one of the weird things that happened when Get Out came out mm-hmm. recently. Which, by the way, now that we have Get Out and uh, Sorry to Bother You, we need one more and we can do a triplet of these uh woke af films mm-hmm. okay i have seen get out. out i enjoyed it yeah and um but get out was given you know was given all these props for being you know a very socially informed horror film it's like that they, they're all like that like they live is a great example of this mm-hmm. oh yeah they live is oh, yeah. a bullshit movie on some level but then it's also just layered with this extra stuff and these films try to be and i think they eventually get to a point where that works because I think there is actually a lot of commentary in the last movie we watched, uh, The Big Birdcage. And and it... Which, that movie is actually entertaining in a way. Is, I would maybe watch that one again. No, that one is by far the most entertaining and there's a few reasons for that because, you know, the director had already made one women in prison movie at that point and really had time to kind of like have fun and explore this stuff at that point. Like, you know... It was less like trying to come up with a new genre at that point and more just having as much fun as he can with the genre by the time the big bird cage came out. Well, and Nicole, you had, you had mentioned that um, because of the outlandish success of the big dollhouse, um, the market immediately got saturated oh, yeah. with bullshit. Everybody was trying to make a women in prison film. So- like, so between 70 and 72, <laughs> the market was just saturated with So them. when the big bird cage came up, uh, you're... You're saying I don't know if this is a specifically sourced thing that the the movie is almost parody on. It, some no, level. it is. The director himself said this. I watched the commentary track on uh, by the director okay. on the Big Bird Cage, and he said that he even felt like 
the market was so saturated with women in prison films by the time he got around to filming The Big Birdcage, which was only two years after yeah, he filmed The Big Dollhouse. Um, he said that he really had to like just make it a satire and just like have a lot of fun with it so it didn't feel like just another tired women in prison film. <laughs> and that really comes across because this one is... It's the one that's trying to be the less, like, least serious, um, and that works. And it's also the most ridiculous, because the first two, there seems to be this stress on, uh, on torture. Like, there's, and, like, elaborate, elaborate torture. That's a David, while we were watching the first two women in prison films, he said that it, it seemed such a natural progression that we really just needed to watch porn at that point. Because those oh, yeah. movies are so obsessed with a particularly, like, sadistic individual coming up with just preposterous ways to torture other people. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they're, they're two steps from snuff films. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I and they, and they're, they're, they're all in on that. I mean, both of those first two movies, you know, there's, like, entire rooms of, like, bizarrely invented torture devices. There, there to is a torture through. chamber in both of them. Yeah, yeah. And they're very different. Like, they, like, oh, yeah. you know... The, the the types of torture is actually very different in both of them, but it's such a core thing to make sure that we've got like a lot of just sadistic torture in it. And we totally flipped that in the big birdcage because in t instead of having, you know, some sort of uh, masochistic or, you know, oppressed warden, we have gay prison guards who have no interest in women so not only do they i mean so they they there's there's no kind of like sexual sadistic undertones here like these guys are not interested in the women and it adds a great dynamic that this movie really has fun with in its you know like uh it's like attempt at being some sort of you know feminist manifesto at the end well, it, well, it's but, oh, sorry yeah but both in but both it should just be said though right the, the, like in in uh, the Big Doll House and uh, Women in Cages, the two the two yeah. quote unquote serious women in prison movies we watched. Um, <laughs> it should be said though that the tormentors of the of the prisoners, which are women, are they're both women. women in yeah, that. Yeah, the, the tormentors yeah. are women. Yes. And so there is this, you know, you're you, the uh, and the, the enablers, right? The the warden of both of them are women yes. as well. So there, this isn't like male directed. No, this um, is women on women crime. And so, but then, but then, you know, so I, you know, we don't get too like overtly, overtly uh, political about these things. Right. But like, you know, and you mentioned before that like uh, these things have had like a, a positive spin on these things by, you know, feminist culture, especially at the time, maybe not since, but um, there is this, you know, way in which the outside world does exist and it is that male dominated world. Right. Like, so even in the big birdcage and the other films, right. Like men, are always, uh, you know, on literally on the outskirts of the of these women and their environment and their and their captivity and their punishment. Um, and uh, the Big Dollhouse. Uh, so we'll go ahead and bring him up here because he is in several of these films. Uh, actor Sid Haig, yes, um, of uh, Rob Zombie uh, notoriety uh, recently. <laughs> um, Sid Haig, the actor, uh, is in several of these exploitation films, and um, you know has this like male protagonist role where we, you know, experience you know the, the male side of these films. As because it he's almost to these in women both in of these movies, he's like the lone like male character, really. In yeah, in the first, in the women in uh, with women in 
but the big dollhouse. The big he doll plays house. the um. Just call him one, two, and three. It's one, fine. Two, yeah. okay. in, in the first film, right? He plays the um, like the the guy who who makes uh, deliveries. Yeah, makes them. deliveries, brings uh, food and such, and 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 treats if they can afford it to the women. Um, and then in the second film, you know, he plays this revolutionary character. And both of which end up being the kind of like key or a uh, the key point in the women's escape plots yeah. to uh, uh, free themselves from this. But at both times is not like the one who is like solving this problem for themselves. So even when men are involved in this film, they're completely secondary to what's going on here, right? Like oh, the, yeah. the cause of these things, uh, the drivers of the plot, all of this is, is feminine driven yeah. in its own ways. And in that sense too, it's kind of alleviating because it doesn't... Um, you know, you don't, you don't require this, like, this, like, anchor towards maildom or the patriarchy to, like, satisfy a lot of what happens in the plot as well. And in that sense, too, it's, like, enjoyable and have fun for that reason alone also, where all the men on it, it all the men in these films are kind of dopey, a little bit ridiculous. That's, um, yeah. Parodied in a very fun way with the, the sexuality that kind of bubbles through this thing, um, be it female on female, male on female, um, or, you... of course, in the third film, male on male. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Sid Haig in both of the films he's in does a tremendous job because he doesn't need to be a protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, it it improves the range that he's allowed to have. And it's it's um, it's partially necessary in the first one where he's basically like a desperate, repressed guy who dresses... Hilarious. Oh my God. He, he dresses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got a vest. It looks like a safety vest, but it's, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. And then... And it, it's a look. And then it's a look. The, Powerful. In the, in the yeah. third film... Um, he has to play both a straight and a gay guy. Mm-hmm. And the way in which he does this is somehow in, in, in a totally undeserved way on some level uh, is nuanced. There oh, is, no, it, it's, it's actually the Jack Hill. When I listened to the commentary track was talking about how nuanced it is. Cause this was, this was actually like, as you know, uh, a straight director, you know, Sid Haig, and then the guy that played the really gay prison guard was, mm-hmm. you know, he was a uh, Filipino character mm-hmm. actor that had also never played a gay character before. Um, but they were talking about how, like, it ends up being way more nuanced than they even thought that they were going to be able to get away mm-hmm. with just being straight, like, three straight people trying to, like, kind of project this this scene and make it work and this was also at a time this movie was shot so cheaply um there was no monitors or anything they had a filipino camera guy that shot it and then the film got sent to the producer in la like you didn't get to go back and watch your dailies like you just had to fucking hope for the best nice out of these shots when you were done with them yeah <laughs> yeah, for those of you who don't know this, when you actually shoot with film, you know, if there's a There's fucking, not like a monitor that you can look at yeah, while it's a, going. If a fly lands on the screen, it's fucking a thousand dollars wasted, you know, like, you, then you have to go back and shoot it, and that's money, that, is li- that is money down the drain that you can't get Yeah, back. so, like, Sid Haig basically seduces the prison guard in the third movie who mm-hmm. is, who's homosexual, and it's, it's really over the top, but it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the thing is, it's uh, the reason why I I would still consider it nuanced is that as he's doing it, he's not. I mean, he does a little bit of the hand motions, and he definitely does the voice. Yeah, <coughs> but he's doing it the whole the whole time. He's doing it in this mildly derisive way, mm-hmm. and well, what he's supposed to be doing because he is like you know because he is supposed to be like 
tricking this guard into getting this job at but the... But th that's the thing. Yeah. He could have just gone full ham with it, but he is clearly still being his <laughs> own person. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable, you know? Like, he could just... That's the thing. He couldn't be a guy... But that's the thing. This is an exploitation film. He could totally have just done that. Right. That could have been the way it got played off, and he opted not to do that, and it makes his character much more enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Because yeah. it does actually seem like the gears are spinning when he's trying to be this person. Yeah. Well, and the, and the things do, you know, be, you know, raise to that level of cartoonishness where, you know, there is a sense of overacting, you know, the lines are delivered or, or over-delivered. Yeah. Like, and, you know, some characters that seems to be the only way they could deliver well, lines. Well, and it's also, he used to them. let people, like, ad-lib a lot, too. Right. So a lot of times people are just saying shit that wasn't even in the script, and yeah, he would just allow it. Yeah, you get you know. the feel for it. Yeah, you know? well, like, that's what he'd say. He'd let people just kind of let their personalities come through, and he yeah. wouldn't, like, fight it. He would just work with it. Because, Absolutely. Um, you know, because a lot of these people also... Uh, or a lot of the women in all of these films, like this was maybe their first and only acting job mm -hmm. for many of them. So it was really just trying to work with their personalities because a lot of these people were not professional actresses. They just had a good personality and a good rack. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, what man. more does one need? Yeah. So, but it's kind of funny because, you know, as we see the kind of like evolution from the first to the third films too, you know, the sexuality of these things, you know, the, there is a drive for a kind of quote unquote realism uh, because these things are kind of like, you know, half thriller, half horror, um, you know, half uh, prison Well, they're films. supposed to be like women in action, like action films that are women oriented. Yes. And uh, the first which two. Which was unheard of at the time, really. Well, that's the thing. Like the first two, you know, they have the. Um, you know, the, the, the costuming, for example, yeah. is not as emphasized as. They have more like prison like ish uniforms. ish uniforms by the third film it's like just bikinis oh like, god yeah. so the styling in this third <laughs> film i mean like uh, so everyone's just wearing their old street clothes that have basically been shredded and ripped to like the point where they just barely have clothes hanging off the necessary parts of their bodies amen it is fucking fan Fantastic! Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I mean, in, in terms of like showing just enough to get excited, it it's it's spot on. And so they just they get rid of any kind of notion of uniform at this point, and then just shred whatever clothes look attractive on everyone's bodies. Yes. And they do a spot on job with it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it um, just it just becomes so funny to see this like evolution of these like films as they like strive for a little bit of realism, strive for a little bit of like believability, and then by the third film they're like, no, it's just tits, yeah, fucking it's just tits, <laughs> tits, 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 shower scene, tits, yeah, uh, bikini, bikini torture, torturers, bikinis, uh, tits, and yeah. we just keep going, and we just keep rocking with that theme through the whole through that section. And, but it's um, also the best one because of that. You well, know? absolutely. I mean, it's one of those rare instances where you know you start a film and you're like, no, like the audience will want to see some semblance of like believability in this thing. No, and we it, don't. No, yeah, no, no, we don't. Like, come on, like we, that's not why we go to a Fast no. and Furious movie. Like, give no, me he even <laughs> said he even said in like so he did like. You know, because he did the, so the you know like mud wrestling is an important part of a, a of, prominent theme, a yeah. staple, <laughs> yeah, of of you know exploitation films. You know, so like in the first movie, you know, the director was like, I got you know some mud wrestling, you know, like two girls, but he's like, so I had to outdo it in the big bird cage. So mm -hmm. of course you have you have not only this great scene where. Pam Greer, who's not a prisoner, but a revolutionary yes. who's going to, like, infiltrate the prison. In order to start the revolution. In order to start the revolution, yeah. 
Um, you know, so her and her revolutionary partner are in a tussle, and this tussle, uh, he beats her with what is actually a real dead duck, and then like pushes her into a mud pile, and then they wrestle around, and it's 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 really good. But then like later in the movie, we have like multiple prisoners like wrestling each other in mud piles. So we just like we have to keep escalating like yes. the amount of like mud and fluid on people's bodies. Just like the uh, the crazy prisoners in the third one, mm -hmm. um, they get like just locked in a big cage and like hosed down periodically for no reason because right. you know is is. You want as much wet t-shirt time as possible. Well, and, and the third one, too, has, like, one of the best sequences of all of these films where, you know, part of one of the prominent things overall is just, like, you know, the, the pent-up sexuality, right? Like, yeah. Like, what's the, um, what's the, po the tagline of the posters? Like, you know, they're always, like, they always re reference these, like, these pent this pent up sexuality of these women in prison. Uh, well, I was I was saying the the tagline for women in cages is better than the title. They should have just gone with white skin on the black market. Oh, good yeah, stuff. Yeah, and, and so and then the big birdcage tagline is women so hot with desire they melt the chains that enslave them. Yes, absolutely. And so in the first two films, right? There's like this like. You know, it's like alluded to the the sexual the sexual um, the relationships between the women. You know, are not as prominent. But in the third film, there is this there is this actual Amazon of a woman in this film. She's yeah. huge yeah. and almost uh, seven feet tall. Yeah, and she has this like she has it in for one of the other prisoners who's like mocking her and constantly calling and, her a big dyke. Yeah, and big dyke and everything. And then how this like storyline ends in the film is that the Amazon woman so so enraged. Suds's soaps herself, greases herself oh, down, God, yeah. and like naked, runs through the prison. <laughs> so that when people try to down, grab her, they slide yeah, they off slide her off wet, over. slippery, naked body, <laughs> like, nakedly charging in order to murder this woman in the water. It was fucking one of the most outrageous scenes in this thing, and one of the ways that like you know they just like yeah we're just cranking the temperature up till it boils over, and in this sense it like actually does, and it is. It is absolutely wonderfully ridiculous. Uh, to be fair, that Amazon woman is like the only one in any of the three films who seems like she deserves to be in. Oh yeah, sort you said of she seemed the most sociopathic of all of yeah. them. She seems like the only person capable of committing a heinous crime. Yeah, like none of these people. These people all don't. They don't. Well, it's not merely that they don't look like it. They don't behave. No. Well, and like, this and yeah. this is why we're not focusing on story. Because to be honest, how all these women ended up in this thatch thing is totally. There, there's no way you could even come up with a plausible. I don't. Reason and they why. don't. Yeah, I don't mean to be rude here, but these are not well written films. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, like following the taglines and storylines and just not up to it. And yeah. the, and you know the oh, nuances. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, I would only watch the third one again. Yeah. I well, see it's no the best one. Like that one's always ones. been my favorite one. I just felt like it's it's fun to get a little context and they're short so you can kind of yeah. like see how how we got to the best one. Yeah. But well, the it was but, quite an evolution. But they're not like in 2 years. I yeah. mean, it's quick. And they're, but they're not totally shabby. I was um so I had I had like, you know, I was taking picture uh, snapshots the, as we were watching these things. <laughs> now, uh, easy, of, right? Of the boob torture no, device? Yeah, exactly. Of the yeah, of the of the of the shots that I appreciated the most in these things as well. And um you know, for the first two films, um the stylization is like a horror movie, right? Yeah. You have like, you know, harsh angles, um you know, the, the, a lot of voyeurism. Yeah, a lot of voyeurism. Um, you know, lighting uh, that is like you know, like um, expressionistic in its tone. You know, and um, 
Yeah, and you know, then you've got like you know, low angle, high angle um, with the torture sequences and such, and yeah. So you know, the, the stylization of these things does, but but it doesn't improve them, right? Like it doesn't no. like make them any better. It doesn't make them feel more serious or anything. No, like absolutely that. Yeah. not. But they are like I do, I do, I did enjoy it as well, and it was just one of those <laughs> weird little things that I had like f- half forgotten, uh, but also like kind of like appreciated going through them. Uh, the Big Bird Cage dispenses with all of that, right? In a mm-hmm. weird way, it's it's the camera angles and and the lighting is much more naturalistic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, because I think all so much of the emphasis. Um, you know, is on, you know, first off the set, which is the, the big bird cage itself is this like massive contraption in the middle of this, of this. Yeah. And they were pretty proud because this was actually a really intense set piece. Um, so yeah, the big bird cage is some sort of like sugar milling device. That's very dangerous. Designed by the warden who is hilarious by the way. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, but this big bird cage, evidently Jack Hill's father was a set designer Mm -hmm. in hollywood like since the 20s his dad like designed and engineered this huge set multi-story multi-level yeah so i mean it didn't actually contraption yeah yeah it is definitely a contraption and then they they basically like out of bamboo like they built this thing Mm -hmm. in the middle of uh in the middle of the Philippines. And I mean, it was functioning. People could walk on it. Like, it didn't actually do anything. But I mean, it was a set piece that people could walk on and use. And it is it is really impressive. Yeah. Like... Mm-hmm. As a device within yeah. the film too, is this like this like thing that if you're if you misbehave or if you if you don't do well, you got to go to the dangerous. You, you work, yeah, you work on the big bird cage. Yeah, you know, which like is almost, very dangerous. Yeah, and you want the other jobs around, like you know, like hucking the hucking the cane or or uh, uh, they do the coconuts. The coconuts, well, the yeah, they crack the coconuts. Yeah. But it, that's like the punishment is going to the big bird cage and working on this massive contraption that they have to, uh, you know, that they like slip. And they didn't they didn't slip on. on that. Like, yeah, it is it is a pretty masterful set piece mm-hmm. for yeah. such a low budget film. Well, that's the thing, like that's almost like all of the time and effort of like, you know, planning into this thing went into more of the set construction, which is, you know, not what they did in the first two films when the set is just literally like an abandoned prison they just used over Yeah, and, over and they again. used the same abandoned prison in both of the first right. two movies. So they didn't even try to find another set where in this one they actually they didn't use the abandoned prison, so not only did they build that big bird cage, all of the huts and stuff that they're staying in were actually built on site out of natural materials around there. So it's sustainable, is what you're saying? Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, they had to actually they had to burn it when they were done because people kept trying to live in it. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, that's you know. That, yeah. But that's understandable. That's for the best. Yeah. No, the um, th- that's why the the parodic character of this is actually very interesting because. The things, Ryan. I mean, there is some there is some amount of actual cinematography going on in at least the second movie. Mm-hmm. The first movie has a lot of flat angles, but there's I mean, there's lighting. There's there's like, but the, those movies are not improved by that. Yes, because yeah. those are not what the movie is about. Mm-hmm. Whereas the third movie is so obsessed with not only is it actually an exploitation film, it is also making fun of them. Yeah, which means that the focus of the movie was correctly calibrated. It was about the exploitation angle and about the antics around that. And as a result, they focus their energy in the right directions Mm -hmm. in that film. And it shows because Mm -hmm. they don't waste time brooding in that film. They go from scene to scene and the dialogue is faster because it's less meaningful. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, That's one thing in the first movie in particular. People linger on 
bits of dialogue yeah, the like heroine, they mean something. Yeah, the heroine character gets real lingry, like we're supposed to empathize with her or something yeah, and that, like that. And that just doesn't, like, that's not what we're here for. Yeah. Like, that's not the mood <laughs> mm-hmm. of the film. So it doesn't play. And it's not like there is intention in the third film. I mean, the bunkhouse they live in is just chaos the whole time, but it's actual chaos. It doesn't dwell on it. Mm-hmm. It's just bitching mm-hmm. back and forth over and over. Just rant, just Shit is constantly, there's drama at all hours of the day mm-hmm. um, in that bunkhouse. Um, and none of it amounts to anything. No, it's just bickering. It's just, Well, it's no, just... I guess it amounts to one thing. One person gets murdered. But, like, aside from that, it doesn't, like, th- there's no plot to follow there. It's just... No, it's just the day-to-day, like, bickerings of, like, people that live in close proximity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all yeah. You, the only thing you get is, like, the, vis- like, the emotional height of these characters, the content of what they're saying is mostly discardable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, until they get to a point where they get locked in the open air torture chamber mm-hmm. of uh, either the big bird cage or uh, the little hut thing. Yeah. Where they spray everybody down and people. That's for the crazy people. Yeah. The people who talk to ghosts and stuff. There is a lot that happens in that movie. But but it's 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 so strange because you know the, it's. Thematically, it's not tied together well. Um, you know, in terms of like causation within the plot, it's not very. It's it's loose to say the least. Of these no, things, yeah, right? the plot. The plot is mostly discardable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yet, it's like not like it's once again. It's not why you're there. Would you like, say that this all. is a good bad movie? Yeah, I think so. I think <laughs> that the first two. The first two are. You know, they're all right, bad movies, um, to a certain extent. But I think that the first two are zero out of one stars. I think that there yeah. is a kind of sense that. Yeah. You know, having seen they them don't once. have like a lot of rewatchable quality. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd rather if I was going to see another woman in prison film, I'd rather see one I haven't seen before. You know, yeah. So, um, you know, that's kind of like where you're at with a lot of these too. But if I was like in another mood for a woman in prison film, I'd probably watch some of those and then check out the Big Birdcage again uh, because it's got Nitra Ford in it. And uh, oh, she's hot. Oh God, blessed political prisoner. Oh, I'm telling you, the best kind. <laughs> Uh, so, um, <laughs> oh, that's a dumb theme we didn't even bring up. It's one of my favorite things about the third movie is that it um it has this whole side commentary on um sexually repressed men starting revolutions. Yes. Yeah, well, that's why they're gonna that's why they're gonna um stick up this prison because you know Pam Greer has all these like flunkies that need to get laid in her prison camp, and they're like, well, let's bump off the women prison, and then we can all have our own women, and then we'll be in a position to start the revolution because we won't be so yeah. frustrated. But I don't think they understand because you usually don't get a revolution off the ground unless you've got a lot of sexually repressed men that have nothing else to do with their time. Absolutely. So this this revolution fight for, was indeed. failed from the start, really. Yeah. But but I love I love that that angle plays into it. Yeah. Like uh, Sid Haig's character is the fomenter of this revolution. He's like the Che Guevara yes. of this movie. Yeah, but his whole his whole um motto is like feast today revolution tomorrow which basically just tells you (laughs) he's a bit of a procrastinator not real serious about this and that's cute like it's it's just this little it's this little nugget of social commentary it doesn't dwell on it Mm -hmm. there's like this there's this basically like failed coup attempt where they throw a false grenade into a tower like there's yeah this... it's like a failed assassination attempt or something yeah. that's how she gets into prison yeah she's just like oh shucks <laughs> take me away you know it's very yeah i i like that like mm-hmm. that's just that's just the right amount of flavor yeah um to work with what's going on because it does 
they know it's not important. They they understand <laughs> that, and it shows. That's why <laughs> that's why there's a prop. It's the best prop in these movies. Shows up in two of them. It is like this vase of Otico Especial. Yes. And it plays a role in the plot twice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In two separate movies. Yeah. Sid Haig has this in two separate films. Does you know, because, go- well, the first time he's using it to lure his way to get into the prison because he's hoping to get lucky. And by the second time, it's basically... Like the, the prime motivator of his character. Yeah, it's his motivator is to, like, enjoy life and drink Otico Special. Yeah. yeah, he has it in every scene. Yeah. He's always carrying it. Oh, what a dumb movie. But yes, it's a... But it's, it's a, a good time. It's a good, bad movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good, bad movie. Oh, and then, like, the so... And then in this final one, since it's really the best one to talk about, like, so the big catch at the end, since we don't have, like, a a masochistic woman leading all of the, uh, you know, like, leading all of the torturous prison action Mm -hmm. in this final one, we've got the gay guys. And, of course, now, you know, the the gay prison guards. Of course, there's, there's tension here because... The women like to tease them by like showing off their tits and being like, "Oh, this doesn't do anything for you or anything." And of course, they're nope. like, "Oh, yeah, no, nope, nope, turns out doesn't." Nope. Like, put those things away. So, like, the women get their revenge at the end by capturing him and tying him down, and like one of them tries to sleep with him against his will, and that's like the women's success at the end to like take down these prison guards that aren't giving them any. Oh, very nice. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a mixed message on that it one. It was. <laughs> It was that, like it was pretty ridiculous. It was, it was a little weird. <laughs> I do hope this doesn't count against the tally of um, when people tabulate this in history. I know they don't give a shit about these kinds of contextual distinctions, but having all the gay guys be villains in this particular case, like there's a really common problematic trope of having like gay and trans people be bad guys and no that's a big problem and i don't feel like this is playing on that because i feel like this is more just playing there's an actual reason for it in this film in a way that most of the time they're doing it most most of the time well, here I you feel want like your it gives villains to have quirks you want them to yeah. be strange and the way you make them strange is you make them gay yeah whereas in this film them being gay plays directly into the parody of the genre well that's what i mean so like here i feel like they're making fun of it it's not it's not like the tired trope of like oh of course it's like the queer character that goes crazy and kills yeah like it's not that at all this is materially different it's it's it's, yeah it's it's specifically different and it's used directly because it's like a like an inverse on how the other movies had approached it like i said which always had like a sadistic female you know kind of like driving the women batty and like so this one they turn it on its head and it's like the fact that there's like a prison guard they can't seduce yeah. is what's driving them fucking nuts mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> again this is a movie full of nice touches yeah absolutely yeah. um but beyond that um yeah, just watch it it's fun yeah, yeah track them down i mean there's several of these things on and, youtube yeah on the, not, even on youtube i mean well they're not on great quality but you know they weren't great quality to begin with no um so there's a couple other ones um so there's one called caged, caged heat. heat yeah which yeah. is also terrible and we didn't watch it but it's 
Um, ironically, it's less cinematic quality. I mean, it's kind of weird because that one tries to be a little more serious. Yeah, too, and it's I got think. like Jonathan Demme who directed it, and yeah. then um, John Cage. John, John Cage, Cage does, does the music, music for, for it. it. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, yeah, um, so it it tries to be way more serious than it should be because you know Jonathan Demme went on to win an Academy Award for a little movie called Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, he also did so, um, yeah. uh, Stop Making Sense for uh, the Talking Heads movie and stuff like that, or the, yeah. the, the concert movie. Um, so you know, I mean, it it, it has. Has a a, a a progeny to it that and a kind of like a pedigree to it that uh, you might think that's be, undeserved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and but it's worth a watch too. It's kind of fun. Also, um, another good women in prison film is um, so apparently the the European spiritual successor to this film uh, is a movie called Ninety Nine Women. And um, it's terrible. Um, it's really bad. Um, it's from 69, actually. Oh, There's wow. really just a quick little story here to fill you in about this. Um, so uh, it's European. What language? Uh, it's American. It's English, but oh, it's okay. European produced and okay. made. And there are several different cuts of the film that you have to watch out for. So um, the fun thing about this one is, is that um, the women have their like prison uniforms, but for some reason, um, thigh high. Um, ungartered stockings are apparently are part just of it? Yeah, are part of the uniforms. Um, and then there's multiple cuts with hardcore sexuality, uh, sex scenes interspersed within it. So depending on the cut you can find, um, uh, uh, Jesus Franco is uh, the director of the of the straight film, not the straight film. I mean the um, the non uh, uh, porno version okay. of the film. Uh, but there were secondary sex scenes um, that were uh, that I mean are like. Like full like out, actual like <laughs> actual penetration. Yes, yes, yes. Actual pornography, <laughs> uh, filmed by a, a French director during of this course. time as well. And so there's two different, uh, several different versions of the film depending on where it was shown in Europe, um, and it is actually not fun and enjoyable at all. Um, and in fact, like, um, I mean, in terms of the exploitation of it, uh, the the exploitation of these films can be f- forgiven for a little bit because of the light touch. Yeah. Right. Because of the fact that when you know, uh, deviance is shown. It's a wink and a nod kind of deviance in a way that is like welcoming into it, right? Like nothing is off-putting about the gay characters in this in the in the third film, especially. Um, it's it, it's that the, they don't introduce the prison guard and go, Andy's gay. Yeah, Andy's gay. Like it's not that. Absolutely, it's definitely. And they're women. Like, yeah. that definitely <laughs> is there. But the fact that he's gay is actually, like, a th- it's a thing. Yeah. So. And it's not, like, but it's not, like, like disgusting. You well, know? and it's like, also, yeah. it's his thing. Because it's not, like, something the warden, because the warden's separate in that third one. It's not something he's, I mean. Oh, he's A. He's totally asexual. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's just, it's, like, these are, like, these guys' characters. And it's how they interact with them. Yeah, it's not, like, yeah, it's not, like, yeah, I'm gay. It's, like, no, I'm just. Well, in, in, the, in the sense, too, that, it like... It is more nuanced. In other yeah. films, you know, like, the, the deviance is either mocked outright, you know, like, there's several yeah. there's several effeminate characters in, like, John Wayne films where they're especially and only there for a joke that John Wayne makes about them yeah. later on in the films. There's, um, you know, other uh, deviant characters in films from the 50s whose sole intention of that film is that they are brought down or the plot kills them off or punishes them for being deviant. Um and, and 99 Women, this European film, um, you know, the deviance and uh, the violence of the thing is is off-putting in a way that you, doesn't allow you to have fun with it either. And it's, like, frustrating because then when the hardcore is then mixed into that, it's, like, it's gross. Yeah, and, like, well, it's like really... French New Wave cinema. You're like, there's people having sex and I feel really uncomfortable watching it. Well, and that's the thing. Like, it's not like, I mean, it's... it's like, This is not positive. Yeah, like, the enjoyment <laughs> of the thing, like, kind of gets wrapped up into it to the to the sense that, like, it almost, like, got out of control while they were making it. And you're like, this, like, come on now. Like, let's, 
like let's at least enjoy ourselves if we're going to be doing this and um so yeah and then um so check out some, and then there's several other genres of ex of exploitation films that we might get to later. You mentioned the black exploitation, so yeah. if you're in a Pam Greer mood, checking out your coffees and your Foxy, Foxy Browns, Browns. Um, and then you know you can see your male equivalents with your shafts. Um, and I'm uh, a huge uh, um, Superfly. Superfly. Is, I'm a huge fan of Superfly. Dolomites as well um, from the '70s too, and those are fun. We might catch up on those a little yeah, bit we'll, later. We'll have we'll have to dive into that at some point. They okay. are, and they're fun. They're stylish, and the once again, the, the, they they develop a kind of emphasis on quality, um, primarily through things like music. And so, like Shaft oh, yeah. and, and Dolomite have like great soundtracks, like fucking primo fucking soundtracks to these things. Um, and Superfly, yeah, Superfly has a great. And then um, well, and they actually sometimes they deal with like actual social issues that were you know affecting yeah, this, them. Like Superfly is all about like like a drug dealer, you know, where like mm -hmm. before it was popular to be a pimp. And that was the first movie where the black guy that was successful was like a drug dealer. Yeah. And that was culturally like a big fucking deal. Yeah, absolutely. But <laughs> in the seventies too, you know, they begin to like delve into that, like anti-hero nuance. Yeah. That, like, yeah. you know, a lot of films hadn't really catched uh, caught up on. Um, so there's another little genre that is especially European, um, it's, but they're called non-sploitation films. Ooh, and that sounds so, like a French yeah, thing Yeah, so there's me. like um, a couple of them. Um, uh, there's the devil, um, there's like, and then they always end up with these like really ridiculous titles, you know, like uh, Diary of a Cloistered Nun, and they're usually like Italian, of course. Um, and then also there's a um, several Japanese non-sploitation films that are supposed oh, to be pretty geez. good as well. I am totally so, unfamiliar with the exploitation oh, man. level. They're, they're terrible. They're really okay. <laughs> yeah, they're okay. almost they're almost not worth seeing because they are just kind of zero to one stars. Um, but bad bad movies. Yeah, try to find at least one Italian one and then one Japanese one, and you'll kind okay. of like cover okay. all your bases okay. with that. But that's definitely like. If, dear listeners, if you're wanting to enjoy more of this like '70s exploitation mania in films, uh, those would be my recommendations. Um, yeah, otherwise, All have right. at it. No, but I think we covered. We did a good cross section of 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 exploitation here. Well, I, I wanted think. to Pam Grier it, and we went the whole way with women in prison films primarily. Yeah, so yeah. that was I'm happy. I'm well, enjoyable. that's okay because if we want to do black exploitation in the future, that can be its own separate genre. We didn't have to most cross worthy. them over. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. most worthy. And we were trying to keep it a little more queer for the summer, absolutely. anyways. Which we, the black exploitation ones are not queer friendly. Yeah, not their most much. progressive. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so they didn't again, quite fit into this demographic. Well, know, but like, once again, too, like so much of the black exploitation films are male driven. And oh like, yeah. In oh, that yeah. sense too, yeah. you know, like it's like masculinized oh, male yeah. Hollywood oh, yeah. kind of stuff, and they're not like in one liberation at a time. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, hell. All right. So what are we doing from here? Yeah. Do we want to start moving to a couple the more serious movies? I think down a little bit. Yeah. I had two recommendations since these genres have all involved movies I had never even heard of before. Excellent. Because I am the Philistine here. Um, and my two recommendations were either Nebraska by Alexander Payne or Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy by, I don't even know who directed that. Me neither, actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm drawing By a John here. Le Carre, whatever. Yeah. No, the only, thing, only reason I know the film, it's got Tom Hardy in it. It's so. great. Yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. It's got the Benedict Cumberbatch in it. Yep. So we can either go with the known quantity or the unknown quantity on this one. Um, I'm good Tinker Taylor is a great rainy day movie. Oh. And it's rainy, rainy days are right here now. Again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to watch it tonight. No, I know, I know. And I've never seen Nebraska, so that would be a new one. Yeah, for I don't me. think any of us have seen Nebraska. That'd be, we'd be totally. I'd be happy with any of them. You guys I'd make be decisions. happy with either of them. Yeah. So Dave, well, let's flip. Yeah, get your coin flip app. Let's flip this Roku remote. Oh, uh, so you have a coin flip. App. Heads, heads is um, 
Heads is Nebraska. Heads it is. Nebraska. All right, sounds good. I was thoroughly unfair, but that's okay. Anyway. <laughs> well, if uh, you need an action here, I've got an no, actual point flip app. It's, no, yeah, Nebraska. Fine. I would have flipped my phone if I wanted it to be fair. I kind of want to do Nebraska, because otherwise I'm not going to watch the damn film. I need an excuse to actually see it. This thing, I think, is rigged. It keeps showing up tails. Oh, like, yeah, I like lose coin flip app paid, better. Paid for by Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota. Uh, yeah. Minnesota yeah. That would be, okay. We, we that would do, be amazing. We'll do a totally new, <laughs> new films. Movie. I like yes. it. We haven't done we haven't done a, no, a new new film in a while. Yeah, and this one's relatively recent too. So. Yeah, we haven't done a recent film and. Yeah. So for all those time. reasons and more, friends, I, I think we've made a right decision. But yeah, here. watch some watch some exploitation. Yeah. Do it. Get in it. Yeah. 70s. It was a time. Oh, man. Was it ever. Okay. Ryan. David. Nicole. David. Thanks for being part of the Machination Law. Good morning, everyone.